So uh, welcome, everybody. Good evening. Uh, looks like we got a full house here tonight. I think this is the first time we've all been here together uh, in a long time. So um, just a uh, you know, quick update on who we all are. We got Dave. We got Dan. We got Alex. Uh, we got Rob, um, Blunty, and myself. So um, I do have uh, quite a few articles to cover this evening. Uh, Rob, you had something you wanted to touch on first. I'll give you the time. Oh, sure. I was just going to say, uh, great news. I don't know if y'all saw the announcement. Uh, it was uh, two days ago, three days ago. It was Monday of this week. FAA has announced they are updating before you fly. So it's finally happening. So uh, they're saying that they're going to be adding a lot of functionality and there's going to be, I guess, uh, communication with some desktop and some mobile applications. Uh, they're supposed to have very clear status indicators of when it is and when it is not okay to fly. And it's supposed to be a lot more informative with integrated maps and filtering and all the things that we've hoped before you fly would become. So I'm really excited to see this uh, release. They're saying that it's going to begin February the 1st. I wonder if we'll show Frio locations on their map. Uh, <laughs> and that was, I don't know. Or you can just use the internet and find them. February 2024? <laughs> uh, February 1st of 2024. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. So uh, they are partnered with, um, God. Well, they were partnered with Loft. The Loft were the authors. I'm wondering if they are the authors for this work. And since I thought that um, Before You Fly was shutting down. So I'm I'm surprised to hear this. Well, uh, I would imagine a Loft is probably keeping them afloat on this. And uh, I don't know who else they would partner with. I mean, a Loft is definitely, I mean, that's my go-to. I don't, I don't even use before you fly, I use a loft. Um, and uh, um, it's kept me out of some uh, hairy situations and opened up interesting conversations with uh, some folks in the past. So yeah, um, good, definitely a good, cool. A good point to, uh, if, if I may, yeah. to just remind folks that a loft has created a new application explicitly for recreational operators called Air Aware. And so if you go in there to uh, ask for lance approval it it moves you over to air control so you know, and their lance approval um, elements will be uh, migrated into uh, air aware so i understand but for uh, for the moment keep both applications on uh, on your phone or on your uh, personal device uh, but for uh, this is once again loft supporting recreational operators and it's sponsored by Pilot Institute. So both organizations we work with, both organizations that we, we absolutely uh, embrace and endorse. This is a uh, great, uh, great group of people. And uh, it, uh, Air Aware is, uh, remains free for recreational operators. So our thanks to uh, Aloft as well as Pilot Institute. All right, so this is the uh, from Aloft. This is their Airware. Uh, so from the creators of Before You Fly and Pilot Institute, Airware, building on the highly rated and popular Before You Fly platform, Aloft and Pilot Institute are proud to announce Airware, a next-gen application for maximum airspace transparency. <clears throat> Excuse me. This new app makes it easy to understand the airspace you're flying in and includes the largest data set of terrestrial rules for drone operation in the world. Airware is a free application that's available for both iOS and Android. It uses official official data updated in near real time from FAA in order to show you TFRs, airspace, and more. 
Uh, Arrowware has been rewritten from the ground up to be fast, performant, and easy to understand. Have confidence about where you're flying. So, um, yeah. So, so definitely a good thing. And uh, Meat points out an interesting point in the YouTube chat where he's asking. <laughs> he's curious to see what the end user license agreements are for these apps and how much data it collects and where that data is going and who's getting mm. it and are they making extra money off of selling your data? How does before you fly? Do they have to worry about that, or do they not care uh, because they're working with the FAA, or are they making some extra money on the side by collecting all your remote ID data and selling it to somebody? Yeah, this has been a this has been a before you fly has been a money loser for Aloft. They have uh, not been making money on it, um, and uh, the CEO is um, uh, very. Um, concerned about uh, privacy so he, he's big on uh, not selling uh, customer data so you know i can get more uh, background on that uh, but uh, as they say when the product is free you you are the product uh, but in in oh, this case idea. with uh, uh, with airware with uh, product from uh, aloft uh, i i suspect not i mean this is uh, uh, John Hagrains and his team uh, doing us uh, a big service. But it's uh, yeah. a very good question. I'm assuming they're hoping some of the recreational people like it and then pay for the features of the Part 107 side of the app. And yeah, exactly. Air, air so, control is predominantly 107, and that's where it starts to be charged, right? Do we think so? Like Rob mentioned, and you, I Googled, but uh, so like before you fly is getting a big update from the FAA. So now we have two apps. Right. Like it'll loft made before you fly and then split off to make error work, presumably so that they can make money or generate something otherwise, because like you said, they were losing money with before you fly. So that feels really weird now that there's going to be an updated version of before you fly coming directly from the FAA and they're suggesting to use it versus error which is from the people who made before you fly in the first place. Like I, I agree. They and left like I, because yeah. Uh, up to up to know. ten minutes ago, my understanding was before you fly, I was going to get shut down, and you know, yeah, never February to be, 1st, never to be seen up, some again. February first, that update is coming out from the FAA, and they're right. yeah, all that stuff Rob said. So yeah, that's uh, <laughs> class. This right. seems like classic FAA stuff, but it's just like so odd. Like what? Yeah, let's put our resources into pushing an updated version of an app from a company that already produced a better version of that app. But whatever. Yep. No, I mean we we all know that that there are times where the uh, FAA has uh, aired to, uh, you know, allow people to uh, do the work for them, right? So, um, and uh, I mean, in this case, Aloft and John Hergrains and his team have made it evident that they support recreational. Um, they, uh, for me, uh, it, it's really about uh, um, trusting the people who uh, trust us to do the right thing. So, um you know, I've always used the loft ever since it came out. I used Kitty back before when it was called Kitty Hawk, you know. So um, before you fly has always been buggy and a hot mess for me. I don't know about anybody else. Um, and that was back before, you know, John Hagrains uh, took it over. And uh, um, ever since then, I've just I've just used Kitty Hawk slash a loft. So um just because it was reliable and, and did what i needed it to do so um to answer the previous question from meat um i pulled up the, i pulled it up and i have an apple um but uh it uses uh 
the following data, which may be collected, but is not linked to your identity, may be used for the following purpose. They use your location for course location, um, usage data for product interaction, uh, diagnostics for crash data, uh, and that's crash of the app, not crash of the <laughs> drone. Not drone crashes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, performance data and other diagnostic data, obviously, to help them improve the app. Um, it does have uh, app functionality for precise location and course location. Um, and then everything else is just product interaction, crash data, performance data, and other diagnostic data. So, yeah. and so obviously and we don't know what before you fly will have, but I know there were concerns with some of the remote ID apps uh, that you, you were basically agreeing the fact that any remote ID data that was captured by your device was going to be sent to the company that could then be resold. Right. Mm -hmm. There's also a feature in AirWare called Notify and Fly that's been in Air Control for some time. And this is something that we've been pushing the FAA to accept for something like an FPV race, so you don't need a, a FRIA, so that you tell the FAA, we're going to be flying here, this is what we're going to be doing, and it's going to, going to be in this volumetric space. They're not interested. So we keep pushing, and uh, it's in there in... Uh, airware and uh, that's like I say we'll keep pushing it yep yeah I kind of agree with y'all I mean before you fly is not I don't know it, for, for me it's not a, it's not a lands provider so I don't use it for I really don't use it for uh, anything except the TFR aspect I do find that usually you know most of the approved lands providers are going to have a hey there might be a TFR here they're going to have a big circle that goes three statute miles from the target of that TFR you know generally sporting events and it's going to tell you uh, to check and see if it's active, whereas the before you fly usually has more information on the TFR. Uh, we had a presidential when Biden was in town here a few weeks ago, and I think it was like a 30 statute mile. And trying to decipher through the TFR database on the Internet on the FFA, FAA side is an absolute nightmare. So we were able to use before you fly to narrow it down to figure out exactly what it meant. So. That's the only time that I see that it's it's really beneficial for us. Yeah, it says specifically in the update section on the FAA side of things, it says a clear status indicator that informs the operator whether it is safe to fly or not. For example, an indicator shows that flying in special flight rules area around Washington, D.C. is prohibited. So I do think that's something that's missing from a lot of the apps that we use because mm -hmm. you can say like, oh, it says all those things when you pull it up. But in a lot of the apps you use, it doesn't actually tell you if you can fly. It just says, mm -hmm. here's the five things that apply. And then you have to go through them and go, okay, what class is this? Okay, what class is this? What height is this? And what so, TFR is it? Yeah. Yeah. If it, if it is actually like proper, it would be nice to have like a go, go no indicator. Go. Yeah. yeah go, no, go. Absolutely. Just to and, be and this would, this before you fly, it does have that already. It does. But I think in, uh, well, sorry. Uh, I, I was thinking aloft. Aloft just has like, usually it'll have a yellow triangle with an exclamation point. You got to sort through the stuff. But, just to be nitpicky, yeah. just because there's a TFR doesn't mean it's not safe to fly. True story. Yeah. <laughs> right. You may be flying a tiny whoop three inches off the ground, and that's definitely still safe to fly. But Right. Yeah, um, it was yeah. really interesting, this last presidential one, because they actually had a whole bunch of TFRs that mirrored his movement. So, like, during this time frame, he was here, so 30 miles. During this time frame, he's here, 30 miles. So, it was just the circle was shifting around. So, yeah, I had to use before you fly to decipher it. Yeah. I'll just say the other thing, you know, 
we're actively learning about this, uh, some of us, but like, so the way to think about it, is, it looks like they said the FAA has approved four companies to provide before you fly services through desktop and mobile applications. So it sounds like Aloft was like, we don't want to do before you fly anymore. And they're like, okay. And then they signed up a bunch of companies to do different applications for before you fly to improve the service. So I guess we'll see what happens on the first, but that's kind of interesting uh, way to put it. So. All right. So, uh, well, uh, this is coming out. We got before you fly. So everybody, let us know what your thoughts are um, in terms of what are you using, what you prefer. Um, you know, like I said, I'm a I'm a Airware slash uh, Aloft user. I have been for a long time. Um, I know a lot of these guys do too. But um, at the same time, you know, everybody's got their preference. Whatever works for you works for you, and whatever gives you the best information is obviously the tool to use. So, well, I, I uh, use the just, tool wrong because I usually fly, and then when after I land, I remember, oh right, I need to do, <laughs> I need to get authorization here. I should do that. Oops. Oh jeez. It just seems like they should have Lance like approval through there, right? Like it seems like if you're gonna do before you fly, like you might as well do the whole kit and caboodle, right? Is there some what reason? I would imagine. I think the reason why Before You Fly didn't have Lance is because Before You Fly was an FAA app, and they wanted it to be third parties that did Lance. But like, uh, okay, okay, but you're interfacing interfacing still doing an app. Like, you're interfacing like with the, the same FAA. reasoning as um, what? What? There's something I else trust... that they recently did too. It's like they don't want to compete the same with industry. Why trust is by third parties and not the FAA. It's, it's that it, rationale mindset. It seems like if you can make a whole map that tells you exactly where you can fly and you can have a go and no-go indicator, like that's an extension far enough to me to like just go ahead and make the approvals too. Like I don't know. Mm -hmm. Common yeah. sense and gov, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I just want yeah, like I wonder why that separation's actually there. Like like you said, Alex, maybe it's some like this is split and Lance has to be third partied, like you know, the other stuff. It's interesting. Ah, who knows? I, it's weird. Because All right. the Lance data doesn't even go to the FAA either once it's approved. I don't. Well, it doesn't get to the airport control towers once, it, even if it once it's approved. So I don't even know what the FAA is getting if, if it's just oh there was this approval or not. I imagine it probably comes up more so when there's an investigation, right? So. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Less so when it's just, uh, you know, this is okay. You know, this is within our rule set, right? Yeah. So this is a hundred foot grid. You can fly up to hundred feet, move on with your life. That's a question I actually don't know the answer. I bet, I bet we just said the answer, but Rob, like when you do safety stuff, like you don't have any indication of anybody who's approved through Lance anywhere, right? Like you don't have any idea of traffic or like, okay. I'm just making sure. No, yeah, It's essentially just a notum that goes to the FAA server. And I'm told that the airport towers have access to it, but. I don't know. We've no. all, yeah, we've always heard no, they have. Never it. heard them have. Yeah, never right. heard anyone say they had access. Yeah, ATC explicitly does not and doesn't want it. That's what the UTM should or would will have, and that's what Notify and Fly is about. And so you can create a Notify and Fly uh, entry, and it'll go up to other folks who are in in the area, and so they can see your notify and fly. I and mean, that was the purpose of it. So they can say, mm -hmm. oh, okay, here's, you know, these guys are going to fly a race over here. I was going to say, I, I seem to remember something about where it was like, at some point the towers were getting that info, but then not able to utilize it in the system. So like, it wasn't actually like, they were somehow getting a bulk of info. I don't know why I remember that, but like Most, they couldn't do anything with it because it wasn't going into the airport tower system, right? Right. Most, 
most ATC folks have uh, systems up, so they're watching, but it's not, you know, it's not part of their official duty. And I'm with them for, I mean, that, and this is a, an ACTA uh, issue, a, a air traffic controller uh, union issue. They don't get paid to watch drones and, you know, fair enough, you know, but they, they do their level best to still be aware at an individual by individual basis. Yeah, I mean, less. I mean, distract. I mean, their job is probably one of the highest stress jobs in the in the world, right? But um, you know, distractions bad. I get that. I totally get that. But you know, I mean, when it comes to the safety of of everything, it, it's kind of hard to understand how it's not integrated data. I guess so. I mean, who knows? <clears throat> but I like the questions, Blunty. Those were great questions. Um, I wish we had the answers to them. So, all right. Uh, a couple of things. So on the uh, same thread as, as we've been talking about for a while here, the FBI and uh, the CISA warned companies to be wary of using Chinese-made drones over national security risks. So now we've uh, gone a step further from uh, restricting uh, federal funds from uh, being used to purchase Chinese-made drones and uh, federal agencies from flying them to now we're warning other companies outside of that uh, um, uh, envelope to continue to, to basically uh, uh, continue the fear fear mongering depending on what you choose to believe on this aspect but um, what they're saying is Chinese made drones continue to pose a significant risk to critical infrastructure and U.S. national security, and companies should be wary of using them. The FBI and Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency warned in a new memo issued Wednesday. Uh, the warning comes as the U.S. has been working to defend against Chinese targeting of U.S. critical infrastructure organizations, which Chinese hacker, hackers have been actively attempting to spy on since 2021. Probably before that. Um, organizations targeted by the hackers over the maritime, transportation, communications, utility, and government sectors, among others. Um, our nation's critical infrastructure sectors, such as energy, chemical, and communications, are increasingly relying on unmanned aerial systems for various missions that ultimately reduce operating costs and improve staff safety, said uh, CISA. Uh, Executive Assistant Director for Infrastructure Security. Why do why do these people's names need titles need to be so long? Can we just be like Assistant Director? Because every time you get promoted, <laughs> you add words and then you get a bigger salary. You get paid by how many words are in your title. Oh man, we I need a bigger title, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll, we'll, mul we'll multiply instead of add to uh, your income. Hey, I like it. <laughs> Um, however, the use of uh, Chinese manufactured UAS risks exposing sensitive information that jeopardizes U.S. national security, economic security, and public health and safety. Wednesday's memo points to laws passed by Chinese government since 2015 that require Chinese companies, including Chinese-owned drone manufacturers, to provide the government with access to data collected within China and around the world. Um, so uh, we're continuing on this vein. Um, so... You know, I don't know. I mean, DJI has come out and said they don't do this. Um, again, that's uh, probably a, a level of, of PR. Uh, it could be that they don't. Um, it's hard to really 
figure this out. But at the same token, back uh, several years ago, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't DJI help the Department of the Interior create custom firmware for their drones that uh, blocked all of this? Yeah, it was a a green green room, ground up uh, in total firmware that uh, had no uh, external communications. And about a month or so after they completed that significant piece of work, the U.S. government said ground all Department of Commerce uh, drones. Yeah. So, I mean... It's kind of goofy that a company that helps develop the the firmware uh, to apply to these standards the, then all of a sudden gets vilified for for doing the same. So, I mean, I get I get the you know everybody's got an opinion on DJI. Um, everybody's got a, a, an opinion on on uh, what's happening in world politics right now. But at the same token, um, I, I I really don't think that uh, you going out doing a survey of, of a construction site or uh, utilizing that drone for recreation or to film your family is going to be that big of a, a deal security wise. Uh, Rob thoughts on this. Yeah. How long you got? <laughs> <laughs> well, so we've gotten, things. we've got 40 minutes. So. <laughs> uh, so, so things that I want to point out. So in that article, that 2019 DHS memo that was published said that it, that they may, pose security threats, that they could have security vulnerabilities. All of the independent studies, Booz Hamilton, several other independent groups have not been able to find any verification that there are security vulnerabilities. So whether there are, if, if there are, there's no, there's no validation of it. Uh, furthermore, if, you know, what, what is there, like 860,000 registered drones in the U.S.? If you take those drones and you look and say DJI is approximately 75% of the market, there's still 650,000 DJI drones out there that consumers are flying. So are the consumers the problem or is the federal government the problem? All right. Last thing, last point on that. Um, There is a very, very uh, well-known domestic company that is working on essentially using the PSDK port on the Enterprise Series craft and adapting an LTE dongle, if you will, that would take over all the comms controls protocol and it would keep everything, it would override the, the DJI uh, code and it would keep everything, you know, you know, behind mm-hmm. firewall, US servers, all that. So essentially it's, you know, you know we, we banned TikTok, we didn't ban the iPhone. So kind of that same mentality. They're looking at, you know, finding a way to use the hardware because there's no comparison to it especially for the price point, but maybe using, you know, U.S. vetted, U.S. written code to support it. So I'm really hoping that that pans out because that'll be somebody's going to make a lot of money on that uh, when they're successful with that endeavor. So so far in all of these press releases about banning Chinese drones and saying that they might do this or might do that, they haven't convinced me at all that. They are, they doing, are doing that. that. They're, they're, I agree with you. Dan. I know sometimes you can't necessarily say they, they are doing this without sharing too much information and saying how you know that, but they should be able to at least give some indication. And there's so many people using so many of these drones and so many people looking at the data and where it's going that people would find out if sensitive data is being sent back to China. And I just think there would be concrete evidence from people doing this. And I just haven't seen it yet. I I, Go ahead, Blunny. I linked the uh, Josh has pulled up the uh, the thing I linked here, which is the um, the actual document that they published. And if you read through this, 
very classic government document does not read like it says anything it basically says nothing it's, but it basically describes like exactly what you're saying like there's nothing there's no there's no known threat and then it says like you know china passed a law in 2017 that says their companies have a duty to help the government and like it just like here's some supporting evidence that says they might try to hurt us later and then if you scroll down it's just a bunch of like this is basically like cybersecurity 101 and if you mm -hmm. have to tell i don't like it's it talks about sensitive and secure applications and like if you have to tell any of these companies that like you shouldn't live one of the things that is you shouldn't live stream what you're doing because people could figure out what you're doing and where like does that <laughs> what are we doing you know but anyway so this is basically like a cybersecurity document that says like hey drones might be a vector of attack and it's just like i think it's just kind of yeah. focusing no matter on drones, who makes them like, <laughs> yeah it, like there's a couple things that kind of make sense like it's like if you update your drone and a malicious actor had put an update in the drone that drone maybe could connect to a wi-fi network ad hoc from the drone and then like let other people get the ip of that drone over the network or something right like so you should have virtual networks you should space everything out you should know who's in your network like it's just very clear cybersecurity stuff like and like uh the same thing we said forever like there are no known active threats if there are active threats they're few and far between and if you do proper security there's no threat to them from them really at all so yeah i don't know no com completely agreed yeah completely i've already i'm familiar with the document that you share blunty and it's like it's like an elementary like how to prevent phishing that that gets sent out to like every you know every, every corporate employee period right yeah 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 I, I agree with you there's there's just a lot of um uh i, I mentioned to dave earlier before y'all signed on you know uh republican uh rep from virginia rob whitman just put out a thing a few weeks ago on youtube and He's talking about how these how these DJI and Autel platforms or DJI specifically are being used to kill our allies and being used against us, you know, in Israel and the Ukrainian conflict. But what he leaves out is they're being used on both sides. So China has not shut down or restricted the use, you know, by geofencing in either of those areas, but they have stopped the export. They're not selling to the military. They're, uh, DJI is very, very upfront that they are not a military provider now. Contrary to that, though, I mean, there's straw buyers, you know, prices are up, you know, straw buyer, there, there's almost, you know, there's tons of drones that are getting shipped overseas, you know, right now for use in these conflicts, they can't buy them quick enough. But if China was really, you know, I think if that was a valid concern that China was going to just cut all the drones off, you know, they would have already done so for Ukraine, um, you know, being, you know, being tied in with Russia and it just hasn't happened. So, well, I mean, in a, in a certain aspect, money's money, right? So, I mean, uh, you know, a lot of times it's the, the color green is, is what's what's getting people. So, you know, and I, I, I tend to try and steer away from some of these conflicts where, where drones are getting used because, you know, in, in the long run, it, it I mean, it personally upsets me because it's something that we enjoy being used for something else. And, and um for for nefarious things you know hurting people killing people that kind of stuff and it, that does upset me but at the same token you know i i'd like to put out a word of caution and this is kind of like josh's real speak at the moment so um i spent a you know a lot of time reading news articles and and kind of staying up to date on on happenings around the world but you know even here at home in the united states um there are people who are seeing what's happening in these these conflicts with drones and I'm seeing a lot of uh, push towards uh, personal uh, jamming devices getting created 
and stuff like that. So uh, on the flip side, I just want to, you know, put it out there that that I, I'd like everybody to to be aware of your surroundings, what's going on around you when you're flying. Uh, it's important. There are people who still continue to distrust. And I, I feel like these conflicts and, and how these these uh, tools are being used and, and oftentimes what we want to say is toys are being used um, is uh leading to more distrust of the technology than anything anybody else has put out there. So please be careful when you're out flying, understand what you're flying around, who you're flying around, um, and have a friend. Uh, you know, I, I'm not saying have a spotter. I'm, I'm saying have a friend to watch your back and um, just just be safe out there because there's, there's people out there who are concerned about this technology and who are, who, who are and can be taking steps to, to mitigate this technology for their own purposes. So, um, and I would say we need to further, um, you know, really, really emphasize that, especially with the, the RID mandates coming up and all the open source tools that are available yes. where people can scan and find your ground control station uh, in your area of operations. And yeah, I'd absolutely. also agree with what Ken Sherman says in YouTube and that it really feels like um, a lot of these announcements about the DJI bands and what it could do is really just politicians using this as a tool uh, to to push their agendas. There, and it it's just possible. seems like it's very politically I mean, motivated in one way or another. I mean, the the government doesn't do anything that isn't in its own best self interest. <laughs> so, I mean, let's let's be real. But on the flip side, guys, I just you know I think it's it's. Uh, kind of goofy. It has seemed kind of goofy. It, it feels like it's it's trying to take the tools out from underneath you. Um, just as this technology is, I mean, I would say it's still relatively in its early stages, right? I mean, there's constant developments in this tech that that people are utilizing, and and we're highlighting those advances here on this on this uh, town hall, oftentimes. Um, you know, but at, at the same token, you know, there, there's still a lot of distrust around it. And uh, I don't think that the powers that be have done a whole lot to help that. Um, you know, we try and highlight drones for good or, or different ways drones are helping people or um, different uh, innovations. And I've got a couple other ones, but there's always going to be those people who are like, I distrust this technology. I'm locking it down and, and creating uh, laws to to you know, make it more difficult to do what should be easy. Right. So I don't know my, my soapbox for the night and uh, welcome to it. And <laughs> I, I just wanted to say a quick hello. Hey, Zoe, Zoe FPVs in our uh, YouTube and nice. Uh, haven't hey, haven't spoken to you in a while. Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome. Glad you could join us. All right, so uh, we'll move on from this. Uh, Wing has a new delivery drone uh, that carries uh, packages twice as heavy. So uh, Alphabet subsidy Wing on Wednesday revealed a bigger new drone model that can carry five-pound packages, um, double the weight of its first model. The company will obtain approval from the FAA to fly the drone and expects to start deliveries later this year. So Google Wing is uh, one of the companies that's partnered up with Walmart um, along with... Uh, um, uh, Zipline, which is also one of their rivals at the same time. Uh, they're both working together to uh, do uh, suburban deliveries, uh, definitely in the Dallas, Dallas Fort Worth area, as well as some other areas uh, along the south here. Um, so uh, let's see. 
Yeah, we uh, just mentioned when you look at that photograph, those are styrofoam fuselages and styrofoam wings. Mm -hmm. And there's uh, been a lot of engineering into making those frangible so that uh, if they hit uh, a person, they don't do much damage at all. And so kudos to fantastic engineering uh, uh, by Google Wing. It's a yep. great group of people. So five pound packages up to 12 miles uh, and can uh, still use the existing infrastructure that Wing has placed that, uh, you know, for landing, takeoff, charging, all those different things. So um, no change to infrastructure, just a change in the in the style and the payload capability. So this is a uh, interestingly exactly almost exactly the target Amazon had set for Amazon's deliveries was five pounds and 10 miles. Right. Yep. So. I think it's kind of interesting that they hit that number. And I wonder if Amazon struggling to do this and then Wing launching a way to do this means that they'll just buy in and then they'll be Amazon's delivery too. Or if their Walmart deal excludes them from that or how any of that will work, right? Uh, well, I think Wing originally had wanted to just be like, whoever wants to use us, buy our drones, roll us in and, right. roll, and have a rollout solution. Yeah, I don't right. know if the partnerships with Walmart changed that, uh, that goal for them. But I do think it's interesting that this, like, you could literally roll this out at Amazon distribution centers uh, pretty successfully, I think, based yep. on, you know, what they I think like 80-something percent of Amazon packages are under five pounds. So this is interesting. Yep. And come in giant boxes for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so this is kind of cool. This is a drone-deployed uh, mini line fly robot that crawls power lines to save birds. So... Uh, it's a two-part drone system, two operators required. Uh, and what this uh, drone does is it carries up this uh, this uh, guy that's sitting on the, if you can see my cursor, this guy that's sitting on the power line, and it deploys these little um, drone, uh, sorry, bird diverters is what they're called. So a it helps bird the birds. Diverter? So it helps the birds see the line. These, these have been used for years, apparently. I'm learning new things. Um, but these have been used uh, for years to help birds see the power lines so that uh, birds don't land on power lines and uh, uh, die. And I assume this is <laughs> in places where they didn't install them originally and want to put like retrofit existing lines or something? Correct. <laughs> How do birds see them if I haven't seen them? That's a great question, Alex. I don't know. We're all learning new things. But um, on the flip Google. side, so... Go ahead. Oh, sorry, a quick Google says 60% reduction in the number of fatalities under the treated power lines from avians. So I don't know. That's something. It's a win. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's a two operator system. So one operator flies the drone, deploys the uh, robot onto the line. The robot then uh, uh, ties these little uh, bird diverters, bird flight diverters onto the line and moves along the line it just rolls itself along the line installs another one and then when it reaches the next uh power pole it the drone lifts it up off moves it over and drops it back down so so it's a coincidence that the abbreviation is bfd <laughs> <laughs> sorry no. Dave's got a hidden hidden hate for for pigeons i think i got, <laughs> I got excited when i saw this thing i mean i think it's fine like i mean great if it helps and somebody was going to do this anyway and it's safer but like i got excited when i saw this because i was like oh they're gonna there's some solution for line workers to do less work right or to to make it easier for like electrical work to happen like which i'd still like to see as a solution instead of something like this because uh 
Yeah. I can't imagine. I don't know what safety records actually are from hanging from a helicopter doing power work, but I can't imagine it's it's great. Either. Yeah, I can't imagine it would be. I'm sure those people are, are paid very well for what they do. It's like the guy that makes yeah. what sixty thousand dollars a year to climb a climb a, a transmission tower twice a year. Yeah, <laughs> safer than a window seat on Alaska Airlines. Uh, well, you know, a Boeing's having a tough <laughs> Boeing's having a tough month. Depends on how tight the bolts are on the door. On the which I mean, which company the made the bolts day, on your door? Off on takeoff. I mean, they're just having a tough month. I mean, <laughs> poor guys. <laughs> How tired? Uh, I wonder if this is going to increase the ten thousand reported bird strikes that we average every year. <laughs> well, right. if more birds are saved, then there's more birds to hit airplanes. So yeah, so all the big butterfly effect. All right. So uh, this is a kind of news, non-news, but uh, I thought this was kind of interesting just for the sheer kind of laughability of it. So we've got the, the Dutch firm. Uh, they are called, uh, I apologize, uh, Guard from Above. And they have released a fixed wing, uh, uh, fixed wing drone design that is called the Evolution Eagle. And uh, it is a eagle-shaped uh, fixed-wing uh, spy plane. <laughs> that this, uh, this won't feed the birds are not real people at all. Uh. Yeah, you know it's not doing wonders for that movement at all. But uh, you know, I mean, so uh, you know, I, I'm just going to give props to you know. I, I guess if you gave this premise to the standard uh, i'm gonna go with flight test because the standard flight test youtube watcher i'm sure this could have been created many years ago and probably was um but uh so uh these are fixed wings it uses two propellers uh it can uh soar uh catch thermals um all the things that a a, a bird can do uh or an eagle can do uh but it does have uh it's flown FPV, and they're using the DJI system. If you watch, I'm not going to play the video, but they're flying the DJI <laughs> units in them. Uh, you can see the DJI goggles, but they're flying it uh, FPV. Uh, I think they have uh, spy cameras, thermal cameras, and counter drone systems. So the counter drone system is kind of interesting. Uh, so counter UAS kinetic interception. So it's basically just crashing is what it sounds like, crashing into another drone. So yeah, we can run into the drone. Good job. Yes. I like <laughs> I, li I like the kinetic interception. I'm going to start using that. <laughs> well, you mentioned flight test, but didn't they just release a nature pack that has a, a an eagle, like a butterfly, and a flying they squirrel did. or something? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I was, I was going to mention that. Yes, we did. So it's, a, um, it's adorable, and they even fly well. It's, it's great. We need to. I need you to to take the nature pack and just start testing its kin kinetic interception capabilities, please. <laughs> okay. Well, I can tell you when you put a a, a model, uh, you know, any one of these, uh, uh, bird of prey or an eagle in the air. Uh, I live in uh, rural New York. A lot of birds, and uh, boy, they. They, they go to ground in a hurry when you uh, put something like that up into the air. It's uh, it's real. That's cool. What who who is this spying on? Like I don't uh, little birds. Well, yeah. I this is like trying to I don't understand. Is this for people who can't look up? This is Boris or... and Boris and Natasha. Is that the... So interesting engineering. This is the website I took it from, and and interesting engineering is a cool website. So I'm not bashing on them too hard, but. Uh, 
the quote I love is the evolution Eagle is not just a drone. It's a strategic masterpiece <laughs> <laughs> designed to resemble a real Eagle. It's remote controlled fixed wing aircraft defies traditional drone aesthetics, mimicking its AVA avian counterparts in shape, size, and color. Uh, it sets itself apart from conventional drones, providing covert footprint for crucial military surveillance. Yeah, the well, two the... propellers. Yeah, <laughs> don't. I mean, what are we doing? And the sound. And I'm sure it's got a broadcast remote ID, so anybody who's got an app knows it's oh, flying. That's hilarious. There. Well, this is the Dutch, so they may not they have, don't have that. How high does it cruise? <laughs> 399 feet. Yeah, well, you know, again, it's Dutch, so, yeah. <laughs> Oh, it says it doesn't actually produce a high-pitched whining sound. Yeah. Oh, silent well, glide. Well, it's got silent glide. Pull, yeah, it's pulling, glide. Pulling props instead of uh, pushers. It'll be, yeah. it'll, it's be very quiet. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, um, I thought this was funny. A little, little, uh, little comedy <laughs> interlude, right? So. I can't trust birds that don't flap anymore. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> So guys out there in the birds are not real category, you're now proven correct. So, so I do well, see the quarter in the jar. These birds are obvious to distract you from the real birds that are fake birds, right? <laughs> so this is making things, right? Oh, oh I love it. Love oh my it. gosh. Yeah. All um, right. I should do one of these. Uh, uh, this is a great idea. I could do one of these in the duck or a geese. It, it'd have a, uh, a light, a light, a uh, span of about two or three seconds down the Hudson River, down. but it'd be very fun. Well, the good thing with the eagles is, at least around here, they actually do fly for a long time without flapping. They hit the thermals and just circle and circle. Yeah. And circle. Yeah, Ducks and absolutely. geese don't really do that. <laughs> they just. Yeah, I mean, we've got a lot of hawks and eagles out here in yeah, Arizona. We need but... an ornithopter. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hey, Dave. Hey, Dave. Are we going to see some of these in combat this year at Flight Fest? I think that's a good idea. We'd definitely see the nature pack. Those little squirrels with the with the tail flapping, they'd be good targets. Well, we had to I mean, we need some intercept. Yep. Thank you, Alex. You did it. Yes. Oh, I was hoping somebody would. All right. Um, but uh, okay. So uh, this is an interesting topic. So uh, is drone surveying protected speech? Uh, apparently, the Fourth Circuit Court in uh, North Carolina. Uh, so North Carolina claims selling maps and models based on drone footage amounts to surveying and requires a surveyor's license. So, um, this is, uh, definitely something that can impact the drone industry in terms of, uh, trying to make money with your drone, right? So, uh, drone, uh, um, <clears throat> imagery has existed since drones have, um, people have been, uh, utilizing, uh, mapping uh for lots of different reasons whether it's to uh check on um a construction site i've seen plenty of that around here i've seen uh people checking on their crops and the health of their crops um but now uh um out of uh richmond virginia the fourth circuit court heard arguments tuesday morning on whether selling maps and models of geographical information is protected free speech or if the plaintiffs who brought the case are required to become licensed land surveyors. Uh, the case was originally filed in the Eastern District of North Carolina. Michael <coughs> Jones and his business 360 Virtual <coughs> Drone Services challenged the North Carolina Board of Examiners for Engineers and Surveyors, which had told Jones that he could not use his drones to produce and sell maps of land. 
Uh, Jones had been producing maps using photos taken by drones to help update his customers on ongoing construction and to determine crop damage after a storm. Jones also created 3D models to communicate information about distances and elevation. On summary judgment in favor of the board, the U.S. District Judge Louise Wood Flanagan wrote in her order that the plaintiffs could convey images but were restricted in creating maps, models, or property images, including measurements. Uh, the record evidence reflects that the act establishes a minimum level of competence, therefore protecting the public from negligence, incompetence, and professional misconduct. The act also protects the public from misrepresentations as to professional status or expertise and additionally creates a system of accountability by instilling with the board authority to hold licenses account, licensees accountable for malpractice. So um, it's definitely an interesting topic. Um, I, it, it'll be interesting to see what they say, but it could have larger ramifications throughout uh, drone industry, right? So I'll just... I'll just say, I think they have zero chances this going through. Like, if you read the info, like, they're, this is, they're, they're losing this appeal, right? Because, like, yeah. the argument here is that it's free speech to be a surveyor without having a surveying license. Yeah. Right? I, but on the flip side, it's, it's, I mean, I think it's, he's not trying to sell on photos. Level of he's, information, right? So, well, that's the thing. Like, they say he's not just trying to sell photos. He's not just mm -hmm. trying to, he's like sitting down, creating surveying maps, laying out what you would get in a surveying study and presenting that to customers to do work with. Right. And like in that state, if that's the rule, then mm -hmm. that's the rule to me. You can't just say it's First Amendment that I can share my pictures. Okay. Nobody said that. But to do a business as surveying and then present your pictures <laughs> in the business for work. Yeah is different Absolutely. right like i don't right. know maybe they've got some plan here but to me if this passes then you could just be a surveyor without having surveying equipment or having a license right it's the same mm -hmm. thing i don't understand how a drone separates that from like equipment or like you could be an hvac contractor without having an hvac license just because like you want to do it right you can perform whatever you want to do you can tell them whatever you want to tell them they can make their own decisions like that's not how installing hvac work. is free speech <laughs> yeah right it's like, or or it's i mean really though the argument that they're saying is it's free speech for me to tell the customer what i think they should do and the customer make their own decision about what they want to do and that's not how like licensing works you have to get a license so that you can be approved to tell somebody that and they know that it's safe to get your info or whatever right like yeah you can't I mean, just decide to use an unlicensed contractor like it, yeah it's a yeah. level i think it's a level of information that's being provided right if you're taking pictures and just handing those off without any le yeah. level of data interpretation then yeah. uh, i would probably agree with the the the, the plaintiff here well, but yeah the court even said that the court's like yeah. that's that's not what's the argument here the yeah. argument is that you're running a business and doing this for for companies and they're making decisions based off of it and stuff so yep yeah so Definitely interesting. I thought it was an interesting topic for, for conversation. Yeah. Uh, all right. So over in Japan, we have a uh, drone the size of a slice of bread. This is this is pretty common to Sounds us. Sounds big. But, uh, <laughs> uh, my, my question is, so they're, they developed this drone to go inside Fukushima um, and into their uh, melted down uh, nuclear reactors um, to number one do investigation as to what happened but number two to eventually start pulling out this radioactive material that has uh melted down in here but um i guess they've sent in uh different types of drones before um they're not lasting very long obviously uh radioactive conditions are going to have an impact on electronics um 
but uh yeah it, it's definitely i i, I want to see the uh i want to see how this drone's radioactive resistant i think is, is the yeah i wonder if they the shield things kind of like you do with yeah. satellites and stuff that go into space yeah, and have to deal with radiation yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is, i mean is, he is heavy stuff i assume the ray like i know like you can get uh cosmic rays that can flip a bit right so i assume yeah. that rays inside yeah. of a reactor can flip a bit and then you're just yeah, like and it, you're and just it like destroys the, the, it's the, just a uh, matter of time the printed circuit boards the, the, yeah um, so then you the have board. like a you're trying to decide like how long you have you're like you're doing like how much how secure can this be for x percentage of time that's going to resist the amount of rays yeah it's kind of interesting yeah. super so, interesting like unique design work for sure and then yeah, also um, like I know like sensors can get damaged from rays, but I don't know like how that works if the camera goes first or the, you know, how any of that stuff mm -hmm. goes. Yeah, well, the, I mean, the, and yeah, there's yeah, pictures the glass that is have, fine. The sensor gets nailed. Yeah. And that's the thing is, is both in, in film and in digital photography, I've seen uh, what radiation can do um, to those cameras. And it, it definitely creates a level of static and, and whatnot to the images. Um, I've seen pictures taken from, uh, I think Chernobyl, um, as well as uh, some other uh, digital imagery around nuclear material. And uh, it definitely causes chaos in electronics. So um, I'd like to, I mean, for me, and it doesn't really talk about it in the article. I think it's interesting that they're sending uh, these, these units in. But I mean, to me, the interesting part is what did you do to shield it that you're, you're confident that this is going to be different from the last Or at time, least right? last long enough to get some useful information from it. Well, yeah. But it could be and that would, it's small enough, cheap enough, and they can do it often enough that it's it's worth the, the effort. Yeah, burn them up. And, and without knowing, I would just make a quick guess that, like, this article is about how small it is, right? So, like, it seems more like, hey, we shielding isn't... I mean, if shielding was a bigger concern, you'd just make a thing that's like a flying chunk of lead or something, right? Like, at some point, <laughs> at some point you're like, we need this to, like, be able enough to get into small places and access things and right. land on spots and like yeah this size feels like a consumable yeah use so, for a drone though so it tepco is which is uh i'm trying to get uh, tokyo electric power company holdings uh has previously tried sending robots in each of the three reactors but got hindered by debris high radiation and inability to navigate them through the rubble though they were able to gather some data in recent years during Tuesday's demonstration at the Japan Atomic Energy Agency's mock-up facility in Nahara, a drone weighing only 185 grams circled around showcasing its maneuvering ability, carefully avoiding obstacles and mock-up remains that included an abandoned robot from a 2015 <laughs> internal probe. That's just kind of a little, hey... Uh... Look what I can do, and you Whoops. couldn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. It also continuously sent a black and white live feed using its installed camera to an operation room. So, I mean, it, here's the thing, and, and this is the part that where you like it's a consumable, but at the same time, consumables start to build up additional debris that you have to navigate around, right? So, if you lose one of these in the wrong spot, then you you've got a, a problem for future you know investigation, right? So. Uh, let's see. Uh, the probe manager said that demonstration was the result of training that started in July. He said four drones were ready to be sent inside the number one reactor for five minute intervals, partly due to short battery life. Well, yeah, I mean, that's going to be the case. And I'm sure radioactivity is not going to do wonders for a battery either. So, um, and then he said utility officials hope to use the new data to develop technology and robots for future probes, as well as for the plan to remove the melted fuel from the reactor. 
He said the data will be used in the investigation of how exactly the 2011 meltdown occurred. Um, so they're they're hoping to send both this drone and then the snake type drone, I think, is uh, another option for them to uh, do those investigations. So if only they could uh, collect the radiation while they're flying and use that as a fuel source to keep it flying longer. Right. I was thinking I was. <laughs> I don't know if that's even possible, thing. but I'm thinking like solar depending, panels for, for radiation. Yeah, de- depending on the radiation coming in, there's an, yeah, that'd be, that'd be enough. Yep. So uh, definitely interesting. And then I think there was, uh, and I didn't pull the article. It was a, I think it was a quick Twitter hit that I saw. There's something about a, a radioactive crystal battery that's being developed right now. Um, like self-contained lasts for like 30 years low voltage i think maybe like three volts or something like that nothing nothing but small like quarter sized so definitely an interesting uh something and i don't know if i even have that terminology right if it's radioactive crystals or whatever but um something some something new in the battery tech and i know that uh also of note archer archer uh, aviation has partnered up with nasa and they're working on developing a new battery technology as well. So we'll see where those all lead. Uh, better batteries for uh, our stuff is always a good deal. So, all right. Uh, wow. Uh, I took up the whole time. Um, but I have uh, one, one more thing I wanted to add. Yeah, go for it, Dave. Which is uh, uh, I need to put some <clears throat> the final writing together. But we've uh, agreed to it um, uh, for FPVFC, and that is, they will, uh, will be accepting uh, requests to charter schools, so, so primary and secondary schools. And so uh, for those of us uh, who may recall, the 2023 FAA Reauthorization Act, yet to be signed, um, allows or gives the same 44809 or recreational capability to primary and secondary schools currently uh, 44809 recreational is recreational and um, higher education institutions. So good news is Congress added uh, primary and secondary schools to that. That's great. Then once once the uh, FAA Reauthorization Act is passed, how long does the FAA, when are they going to get that uh, out there as an updated rule or advisory circular or however they, uh, they want to promulgate that? So until they do, uh, the CBOs have that ability to uh, provide char- chartering to schools. And once they charter a school, uh, then the students are able to fly under recreational uh, rules instead of every student having to get a Part 107. The uh, instructor would still need a Part 107. So this is a help for STEM classes and things of that nature. So we'll have that out shortly. And that will will be... Um, uh, that'll be available for FPVFC and then shortly thereafter from Flight Test Community Association. And that's it. Nice. All right. Dan, you got anything for us? Um, nothing new. Still working on some uh, remote ID module website uh, updates for the FPV Freedom Coalition, but uh, not quite public yet. All right. Bonte, anything? Not today. All right. Just a real quick hit before we get to Rob. Uh, I do have a, it is a nuclear powered, smaller than a coin and can run for 50 years without needing to be recharged. And it can be used for devices 
such as a smartphone, allowing for it to operate indefinitely. I'll there take things I've heard 16 times in the last 10 years for a thousand <laughs> But look at the graphic. It's it's there. This the feels render. a little bit like like Fallout, the video game, right? Like a uh, nuclear, nuclear-powered battery in your pocket. I have questions. You're <laughs> muted, Dave. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to lip-read what Dave said and just imagine it. <laughs> You're muted, buddy. What would you say? Can, can I get one on Banggood or Temu? <laughs> You might be able Alibaba. to. I mean, it's, uh, let's see. We've got uh, Betavolt technology, prototype device that uses nuclear isotopes along with semiconductors to convert energy into electrical power. Uh, also boast about the safety of the battery, saying an article from Science and Technology Data that it works safely between 120 uh, to negative 60 degrees Celsius. That's good. That's good. Resistant thing. to punctures or gunfire. I have questions about that statement. Mm, and it puts out <laughs> so little power. Can I test it? That it's safe. Maximum output of 100 microwatts and 3 volts. I don't know that you'd want to test mm, that. Like, yeah, a little light. Yeah. So, 100 mm. microwatts? Yeah. Well, you'd I meant testing the resistivity to... Um, oh, okay. Puncture. Micro. Is it micro? Yeah, puncture resistance. 10 times 10 to the negative 6, Alex? Uh, what or microwatts? Ten, yeah. One times ten to the negative six. Yeah, okay. but they're they're plan planning to make a one watt version after it mass produces the hundred micro. What kind model. of jump is that? We're planning <laughs> to produce a one watt version. Yeah, it'll be the size of a car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just throw that out there. Yeah. So that's what. Yeah, it's well, currently one millionth of a watt. I'm, I'm with you, Blunty. <laughs> if there's watt? something you need to power for 550 years or whatever, and it's one millionth of a watt, then this seems like a great application. Yeah, right. What does it do? It produces a very small amount of static electricity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it tingles once a, butter, a week. A butterfly. <laughs> like a right. sail of a butterfly. <laughs> Alex, you got anything, brother? I don't have anything this week. All right, Rob, wrap us up. Anything? Nothing huge, you know. All, All right. right. Uh, guys, stay safe out there. Thanks for joining us uh, tonight. And uh, definitely appreciate you guys being with us. Yeah. And uh, hopefully we've provided uh, some good information, hopefully a few few laughs, and uh, we'll see you again in another couple of weeks. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks, guys.